ushers, you can go ahead and wait on us. This is good. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'll try it again. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm thankful we're a part of a body of believers that wants to be sensitive to the move of what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life. If you're new around Grace Point, these benches up front, these altars, it's not the only place we pray, but it's a good place to pray. It's we can come and where we can bring what's weighing on our heart to the Lord. This is very appropriate. This is very good. As we continue in worship this morning, I want you to grab your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We'll be there. As you grab your Bible, I want to ask the Lord to breathe on His Word again. Jesus, I thank You for Your Word that is living and active. It cuts right to the heart of what we need to hear. So, Lord, I I pray that you would help us not hear from a man today, but you would help us hear from you. And, Lord, would you bring the words of encouragement, affirmation, and direction that's needed today. Amen and amen. It was 12 or 13 years ago, I was in a church Christmas production charged to play the role of Joseph. When they asked me to play the role of Joseph, I thought, they have got the wrong wise heart. I am not the actor in my family. That's my wife. They, they definitely don't want me. But they said, no, no, we want, we want you to, to, to do the part of Joseph. So I grew my beard out the way they said that I should. I began to take the lines from the production and try to memorize them the way that they said that I should. And, and as we went into rehearsal, I, I noticed that they were really getting into this and they had a live donkey that Mary in this baby we're going to be riding on and and i was even extra concerned that they had the wrong person because i'm deathly afraid of animals larger than me i mean i'm glad god created them but just not for me to be close to i i mean donkeys are huge I mean, don't think of them as like you know little dogs i mean these are like part horse huge things and have a mind of their own and and so in rehearsal with this live donkey i'm i'm leading this donkey and, and i've got Mary, the person playing Mary on the, on the donkey, and she's holding this doll, supposed to be baby Jesus, and I'm, I'm trying to get my lines down, and, and I'm so distracted by this large animal that freaks me out that I constantly messed up my lines, over and over and over. And I remember the director clearly saying, Brady, whatever happens, no matter what you forget, the show must go on. Okay, okay. I could tell they were very concerned about the role that I was going to be playing. So the very first opening night, one of eight nights, and we're out there, is my part, and, and I'm leading this donkey out, and Mary's on the donkey, and I'm trying to remember my lines, and this donkey steps right on my foot. I don't know if you've ever had a donkey on your foot, but it's a wonderful thing. It grabs your attention. And, and I, I, I tried to remember my lines, and all I could remember was what the director said, the show must go on. So I just blurted out the lines in pain just to get through them, and then got off the platform as fast as I possibly could. When I look back on that, when I think about the series God had us in on Mary and, and Joseph and Jesus and, and looking at this, I think it's, it's so easy for us to slip into this idea of who Mary is and, and who Joseph is and, and, and who Jesus is and this nativity scene idea that we think, it, well, the show just must go on. 
And we forget that Mary and Joseph were real people. And there was pain and there was things that I think probably the, the best acting could have been in that production. It, when that donkey stepped on my foot, as, as I playing Joseph would have said, Ow, this hurts! Get this thing off of me! And because there was a very real pain involved with what God had called Mary to do. As we continue on in this series with Mary, Pastor Lane did a great job last week. I heard good reports of, of us looking at, at the birth of Christ. And now the, the aftermath of that, we find in Mary's narrative here in Luke chapter 2, that following God's plan isn't easy. For example, God often will call us to forgive our enemies. Not just like figuratively, but literally God calls us to surrender and sacrifice. All this is part of his plan, and it's rarely easy. Even when we're walking in obedience in God's will, we can find ourselves being called to sacrifice more than what we expected. But this is what devotion means. Accepting the suffering as well as the blessing and remaining committed through it all. Mary is an example of this humble and hopeful devotion. This young teenage girl who, when she agreed to let God work in and through her, she became this unwed mother, sacrificing her honor, not sure if she would have a future. It wasn't a very good stigma to have, but it cost her everything to be obedient. Doing God's will is rarely easy. However, when this sacrifice time came, there was good news, and we'll read in the text here soon that there's this affirmation again that the son inside of her is the Messiah, and and then this child who is born is the Messiah, and we begin to see that there is also a message of challenge that's going to come. As we look at the scripture, there's three things we're going to see together. We're going to see how Mary was obedient to God, obedient to his laws, obedient to his call in her life. We're going to see how we can understand the implications of this prophet, this priest of Simeon, who was telling not only is this the Messiah, but what was to come, and understanding that following God's plan is rarely easy. Take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. I'll be starting at verse 21. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Let's stop right there, and I want us to begin to look at what we see here. The first thing we see is that Mary is obedient the context of these verses, we see that after Jesus' birth, Mary continued to show humble obedience as she and Joseph presented Jesus in the temple in this time of dedication. Mary and Joseph had this reverence for God and a desire to adhere to the biblical law because they loved the Lord. And we see this obedience, not just a generic obedience, it's obedience to God's law. That's the first thing I want us to catch, obedience to God's law. What do you mean? Well, this firstborn son, the biblical law stipulated that this firstborn son should be brought to the Lord and dedicated to the Lord. In addition, the biblical law ordered that 33 days following circumcision, the 
mother should be set aside for purification. At the end of this period, the mother was required to bring a lamb as a burnt offering, or if she did not have enough money, a pigeon or turtle doves as a sin offering. The priest took this sacrifice and made atonement for the mother. This is what Mary had done. Mary and Joseph, they were obedient to the Lord's law, but they also were obedient to God's call. Mary and Joseph not only obeyed this law, but they obeyed Gabriel's instruction when they named their son Jesus. Now here's what I want you to catch. This is the first key thought for us. When we talk about this happening in the temple, the temple, as I said a a number of moments ago, for the Jews, it wasn't just a religious building. The temple was a place where heaven and earth collide. So all the rituals that would take place in that temple said something about what happens when heaven invades earth earth circumcision was a picture of being in a covenant relationship with god being given a name in the temple was being given an identity before god being consecrated means being given a purpose for god being one who brings a sacrifice is entering into the forgiveness that god brings so this temple was an important place for the jews and it would have been for mary and joseph the temple was a physical reminder That when God comes to earth, big things happen. Sin is forgiven. People get purified. Nobodies become somebody with their identity in Christ. Outcasts begin to have a purpose. So Mary and Joseph would have loved being in the temple. Let's read on Luke chapter 2, 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. But he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. What we see here is now that Mary has been obedient, Joseph has been obedient to the Lord's law, obedient to the Lord's call. Now they meet Simeon, and there's this prophecy that takes place. And in this prophecy, we first see Simeon's patience. Simeon does what all the other good Old Testament prophets do. He's waiting on God. He's waiting on God for those who have been in injustice, those who have been marginalized, those who have been in pain to be comforted by God, for those who had no hope and had no salvation to be saved by the chosen Messiah. He was waiting his entire life for this to be fulfilled. And now the Holy Spirit leads Simeon to the temple just as Mary and Joseph arrive with the infant Jesus. And he says, this is what I was waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. I can now die. I've experienced what I have been called to experience. Before we go on, I just want to make a note about this idea of waiting. Just like Simeon, 
probably just about every one of us is waiting on something. You're waiting to be recognized for all your effort at work. You're waiting for love to bring healing to that fractured relationship. You're waiting for some kind of help in that financial crisis. You're waiting for the pain in your body to subside. You are waiting to finally find a soulmate that you've been praying for your entire life. You are waiting for a son or daughter to come home. It's not hard to think most of us are waiting for something. But as we wait, the question for us, just like the question for Simeon, should not be, will I get what I'm waiting for? But instead, the question should be, what kind of person will I become while I wait? Simeon was a righteous man, waiting his entire life for the promised thing of God, this Messiah. Not only was Simeon's patience evident in this passage, we also see the details, the specifics of Simeon's prophecy. Let's look at it together. Simeon blesses Mary and Joseph, but his concluding words are not all that encouraging. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. He'll be a joy to many. But God has sent him as a sign, but many will oppose him. See, while Simeon rejoices in the arrival of the Messiah, he also warns Mary that there will be those who don't accept Jesus as the Messiah. He declares that before coming to unite and restore, Jesus is appointed to divide divide a nation, and to suffer himself opposition from those who he came to save. See, that's why Gabriel called out to them, you should name him Jesus. He is to be the Savior of their sins, not the one to save them from their circumstances. For the Israelites, they had to work hard to get this into their heads that Jesus didn't come to save them from their circumstances. Now, when we hear this, that Jesus didn't come to save them from the Romans, that was their circumstance, but it didn't seem like that big of a deal. But it would be like us saying to someone in World War II, Jesus didn't come to save you from the concentration camp. Jesus didn't come to save you from the Nazis. Something just sounds wrong to say that. Probably didn't sound right to hear that. Didn't he come to, to do just that? That wasn't his primary purpose in coming. He didn't come to save you or me or them from their circumstances, but to save us from our sins. He came to save us from how we respond to our circumstances. He came to save us from the hatred we have for our enemies. He came to save us from our bitterness, from our lust, from our pride, so that his love can dwell in us. Not to save me from my circumstances, but in many ways to save me from my sinful self if 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 i don't let jesus change me if i don't let jesus help me become more like him like we sang just a few moments ago if his love doesn't invade this place right here then i'm missing out on a whole bunch and so are you this is what simeon is saying the child is destined to cause many in israel to fall many will oppose him people don't like the message So he says, Mary, a sword will pierce your soul. 
Now get this. This is Mary who had, was obedient from the moment the angel appeared to her, who walked in obedience. Now was moving in obedience to God's law, moving in obedience to God's call. And, and here there was affirmation from Elizabeth and, and from John in the womb and from Simeon. And we won't have time today to talk about Anna. She gives confirmation. All this is happening. She's moving in the right thing. And yet there will be pain in her heart. Many will reject Jesus and in turn... Simeon says, you will feel the pain. People don't like it. We don't like it when we get too close to the heart of the matter. We don't like it when our sins and our shortcomings are exposed. People would rather talk about the generalities of sin, not the specifics. Jesus is going, Simeon is saying, to speak directly to those things, and people won't like it. He will divide a nation. They will reject him. And your heart, Mary, will be broken because of it. Friend, I I guess I want to pause and just ask you. What do you want Jesus for? To save you from your sins or to save you from your circumstances? Brady, how how do I know? Well, just audit and look at your prayers. Are your prayers lopsided on the side of always bringing to God your circumstances? Or do you ever bring to God your need for His grace? Your need for Him to bring forgiveness of sin? Your need for Him to make you more like Him? Well, don't misunderstand me. There is no care that we have that is too small that shouldn't be brought to God. It is biblical, it's scriptural to take every care and cast it on the Lord. But if everything I bring to God is what I want Him to do for me, then He becomes the God of my comfort instead of my Savior of my soul. When the children of Israel were suffering, it broke Jesus' heart. No doubt. And during the Holocaust, it tore up Jesus' heart. I'm not making light of that in any way. Your situation, if I knew all the details, definitely God knows the details. It breaks His heart. But He has not come to be the Savior of your circumstances. He's come to be the Savior of your soul. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, He promised you, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome this world. That's Simeon's prophecy. That's kind of heavy stuff. Then Mary responds. These two unexpected encounters transform Mary and Joseph, no doubt, on their trip to fulfill the obligation, be obedient to the law, to be obedient to God's call. But now they hear these words, and this remarkable, unexpected worship would have to come out of them. Probably not worship that they felt like it, When you experience heartache, when you are told that your soul will be pierced, it's probably not your first thing to say, oh, goody. Friend, I don't know where we get this idea that if you follow Jesus, he's going to make you healthy and wealthy all the time and everything's going to be great. In fact, that's not anywhere I find in the gospel. God blesses us, but it's rarely on this side of eternity. Sometimes he does. Talk about that in a minute. I'll get ahead of myself. But Mary responds. As she returns to Nazareth, no doubt the weight of Simeon's prophecy had to be on her mind. The challenges that were very real that she could see in raising the son. Mary and Joseph, they were parents. They raised this Christ child from her obedient devotion to the path that God lays before her. We learned that we too must be willing to turn our backs on the easy, on the ordinary, If we are willing to live an extraordinary life for God. Look at verse 39 and 40. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth and Galilee. 
There a child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. The grace of the Lord was with him, another translation says. There's this looking forward. There is this favor of God coming down on Christ. It's this affirmation he is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. But with this affirmation of the future, there is this necessary anguish. As Mary cradles her infant son in Simeon's presence, Mary had to have thought about what this meant for Jesus and in turn what it would mean for her. Yet this was the reality that when it came, this was the role that God had planned for her. Friend, I I share this with you, not just to give a history lesson. What in the world would God want us to take from this? I believe some application for us today as we look at Mary's life, a very real person who was flawed. She had sin in her life. The only sinless person to walk this earth was Jesus. But but the Lord found favor with her and she was obedient. And when she was obedient, she still had pain brought into her life. And I think some application for us is this, that we are called, just like Mary, to have devotion to the Lord despite hardship. As Simeon painted this picture for Jesus as one that he would be rejected. He is the Messiah, but he'd be rejected. Mary still held to her obedience. See, as Christ's disciples living according to God's plan, it requires us to give up the easy and to embrace the hard. Luke 9.23, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So as we come to a conclusion, I'm going to invite Pastor Edgar to come join me. I ask you this question from the text today. Have you been depending on following God to be easy? Maybe today there's encouragement from your heart that the pain that you're facing, that the challenges that you're facing, that the waiting you're in could have nothing to do with the lack of faith, could have nothing to do with your disobedience. Sometimes we experience things because of our own sin, but it may not have anything to do with that. You may be right where God wants you, and the Lord wants to affirm, just like He did to Mary, through Elizabeth, through John in the womb, through Gabriel, through Simeon, through Anna, and say, this is my plan, but on this earth it's going to hurt. Maybe there's some here today that the Lord is stirring you to be obedient to God's law. He didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Some feel like it's not popular to to be under the law and to follow God's commands. Hey, hey, friends, Jesus came so we can, can not only fulfill the law, but we can go way beyond it. Are you obeying His commands? Are you obeying His call in your life? And finally, I ask again, what do you want Jesus for? You want Jesus to be the Savior of your circumstances or the Savior of your sins? I share all that to come down to what I, I think some, this may be your divine appointment today. Hebrews 11, you don't need to turn there. It's a passage of Scripture that talks about all these heroes of the faith and all the things that they had done for the Lord. And, and yet while they were living, they did not receive the things that were promised to them. That hacks me off. Not the things they wanted. It was promised to them. They died and didn't even receive it. They welcomed them from a distance. They lived as if they were foreigners in this land. This hit me huge this last week. Verse 32 of Hebrews 11. The author of Hebrews, he must be a really good preacher because he says, What should I say? I don't have any time to tell you. But I'm going to tell you anyway. I love that. 
So he begins to list all these names. And then he says, hey, these people experience mouths of lions being shut, the quenching of fiery flames, escaping the edge of the sword, weakness turned to strength, and sons being brought back. Lots of good things. But they didn't receive this as God's promise. Then there's a list of the rough things. Cut in half. Put to death. Ridiculed, persecuted, mistreated. Verse 39, they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them, whether they had good or bad things happen, received what had been promised. Here it is. God planned something better. This morning, I ask you this. Has your heart been tempted to be discouraged? You've not only had affirmation that God's moving in your life, but you're seeing that there's very real pain. I believe the Lord wants to say, I have something better. It may not be here. Carrie, would you go to the piano for me? I don't know where Pastor Edgar went. Here he is. Good. They're both beautiful. I still choose to be married to her, though. Pastor Edgar is going to lead us in a song. I feel like probably the best way for us to respond this morning is an expression of worship through singing to the Lord. Here's why. When you've got pain in your heart, when you've been foretold that something will pierce your very soul, when you've been waiting and waiting and waiting you haven't seen it yet, sometimes the last thing you feel like doing is praising the Lord. But Mary's response leads us in a pattern. That when we welcome it from a distance, He has something better. As you're seated, you may want to stand. Whatever helps you best in the next two or three minutes. Let's just lift our voice to the Lord. Let this be your response to the word of the Lord to Jesus together today.